Hello and welcome to the Metal Hammer podcast episode 64. I'm Elle and I'm here with Alice. Hello. How are you doing, Alice? (laughs) Okay, thank you. How are you? Very well, thanks. I'm very excited to be here. Me too, me too. There's still time to go and pick up Metal Hammer with Amon Amarth on the cover and Johan holding a massive hammer. Plus inside that we look into the rise of Death Gospel, the tour that saw Marilyn Manson battle against Courtney Love, the prodigy, possessed, employed to serve, loads and loads more stuff in that. Go and get your hands on it while you can. Moving on though, Alice, you've been doing some really interesting things. Um, Yes, I went to a festival um, full of black metal called Incineration, and it's in Camden. Um, And it's an indoor festival. It's one day, or it was two days, I think, but this year it was one day. Um, And Mayhem, who are legends in the black metal scene, um, actually headlined, um, which was super exciting, except that I missed them. Alice, I was just about to say, I've never seen Mayhem. I really want to see them as well. I was so excited. I feel terrible about because they're like one of these bands in the metal canon that everybody needs to see and I've never seen them. So I feel like a metal fraud, extreme metal I know, I haven't seen them, but um, I do hear that they're going to be playing... um, Oh my God, it's gone from my brain now. Um, The one in Leeds... Damnation. Damnation, yes. So I plan to go to that and see them because I just missed them. Um, Because I was having a heart to heart with my friend and I got a tear in my leggings, which was really irritating me. Wow. um, Because I was drunk. So when I'm drunk, I'll just get like, oh no, it's really bugging me. It's really bugging me. I can't can't forget about it. So I went home because I only live up the road anyway. Um, Changed my leggings. And then we were like, oh, should we just have some more alcohol? Yeah, good idea. And then we got into a massive conversation in my room. And I was like, oh my God, shit. The band's going to be on. Went to Electric Ballroom and they wouldn't let us in. So even though it was like half an hour before the end of the set. So I was a bit annoyed um, because we just wanted to catch like the end of it. And they wouldn't let us. So that sucked. But um, well, who did you see? You, were, <laughs> you completely freaked out and missed like the best band there because well, you had a hole in your leggings. I know, so. and because also I wanted more free booze that was already in my room. I mean, you know, that you didn't have to pay for. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Tell us about who you did see. Who was good? Um, I saw Carpathian Forest, who were amazing. So 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 good. And I've heard that in. Times that have passed, they've been terrible when they've been on stage quite late because they tend to get a little bit drunk. Like and me. yeah, like me, and I would suck at it too. And then they're a bit shit, but they were on quite early. So I saw their set and it was brilliant. They were really, really on form. And they did a cover of um, The Cures, The Forest, oh, which cool. was really, really cool. It was like a black metal version of The Forest, which was amazing. That's very cool. I was very excited about this. I was like, this is The Cure, this is The Cure. And I was going around to everyone, isn't this The Cure? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, uh, they were like, who's this drunk person with a hole? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were. They were staring at my hole in my leggings. In my leggings. <laughs> uh, who else was good? Um, Event Sorrow. They were really, really good. They're a um, black metal band from um, Australia with a beautiful lead singer. That's interesting though, isn't it? Because you don't really think of black metal when you think of Australia. You no. think of like more fun things or kind of the unified stuff that's coming out that's a bit more like melodic, modern, metalcore-y. 
yeah, stuff. You yeah, know, yeah. when you think of like extreme metal, when you think of sunshine. No, yeah, there's a lot of like techie sort of stuff from that side of the world. Just having there, literally like, just said that though, they had an amazing death metal scene in the '90s and have loads of extreme metal. So just completely just wipe what I just said. <laughs> just contradicting myself. I mean, as the, as the wheels of my mind turn. I think currently you just think of it as like there's a lot of tech metal and um, more yeah that kind of metalcore and stuff that's definitely stuff that's making it over progressive here is more and like stuff that, like that. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but no, this band were really, really good, and they were corpse painted up, which was the only band that I saw that was corpse painted. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were really, really good, like proper old school, like raw black metal. Yeah, really good band. Um, I would recommend seeing them if you can catch them. And Septic Flesh, I saw them as well. And I'm not a huge Septic Flesh fan, um, but a lot of my mates were there for them, really. Them and Shining, but I'm not a big Shining fan. I caught some of it, but I just, I don't get it. Oh, I'm curious about um, that, because Shining went... Hang on, which Shining are we talking about? I know there's two, and it's confusing. Um, I, I don't know how to describe the difference of them. This one that's more, like, um, gone a bit proggy-ish. Yeah, so and... Shining that I'm thinking of, I was going to say, because I used to have a load of saxophones, and then on the last record, they went a lot more kind of straight down the lines of Rocky mm. and I don't know if we're talking about that shining or talking about the shining where they used to cut themselves and bleed and stuff that one I believe right okay. I've seen them before I just, I'm sure I saw them at Bloodstock like quite a few years ago but um, I wasn't impressed with them then so I wasn't really bothered to see them this time and I did catch a bit of it but I wasn't that bothered were they doing anything um, interesting because I've always found them like to be a bit too far for me it's kind of the cutting thing and felt a bit like it was glorifying it for no reason and I don't know how I feel about them really um I don't recall anything particularly extreme going on when I saw them okay. it was just kind of like oh it's this oh yeah alright so um, it was a lovely boozy extreme time for the most part it was I was very very Who's I mean that? I didn't have to review it so I was just like yeah <laughs> <laughs> Until you came on this podcast, of course, and then you realised the error of your ways. <laughs> yeah. Having fun? No, not allowed. Never. Um, yeah, so Septic Flesh, they were really, really good, um, and I'm not even a fan of theirs. They're not my usual kind of death metal. Um, but they were actually really, really good live, so kind of converted a little bit, somewhat. Cool. <laughs> Everyone listen to Septic Flesh is what you're saying. Yes, but probably see them live more so than on record because I still am not a massive fan on record. So, well, there you go. And we'll have to leave your review of Mayhem until later this year. Yes. (laughs) So I went to a very different gig. Yes. I went to watch Disturbed, supported by Skindred at Alexander Palace. Wow. That is very different. So yeah, I don't know what your view is on Disturbed. I'm guessing it's negative. Um, Disturbed... Yeah, no, I'm not. So Jonathan was actually meant to join us on this podcast today, but he's been sucked into a void and couldn't come in to join us, but he absolutely hates them, so he would have had a few things to say. But I'm going to jump in anyway. So they're supported by Skindred, who are just one of these bands now that can play anywhere, in any setting, and they just unashamedly do a party, basically. And it always feels like very sort of British... And they're from Newport. Yeah, oh, yeah. You picked down the road from me. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think of Skindred then? Are you a fan? Um, I'm not really a fan. Um, I've, like, in passing, sort of met 
people from Skindred. Just around the guys. Yeah, Wales. like just at gigs and oh look it's the guy from Skindred. Oh yeah. He lives here. <laughs> he lives so here, yeah. yeah, they just do this yeah. whole party thing now. They they did basically a festival set. We had a bit where they went from Sabbath into dubstep, like just just kind of playing it over the PA. Uh, they had a bit where they're just playing California Love by Tupac, and then Benji was just like, "You don't like Tupac? What kind of a cunt doesn't like Tupac? Let me hear you say whoop whoop, fuck off!" And he was just like <laughs> going crazy. Oh my God. And it was very like bantery, and then he started flossing. Um, I'm still not in love with some of the newer material, but they did like the bangers at the end. They did Nobody and Warning, and they got everyone doing the Newport helicopter, where obviously you take off your shirt and whirl it around your head. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was just basically like a festival set. I don't think anyone was having a, not a good time. Everyone was sort of into it, and Saturday night as well. So it was just kind of really entertaining to watch them do a big stage, and yeah, sort of. Not a hometown gig because it wasn't in Newport, but yeah, you know, with, sort of as a contrast to Disturbed, it felt very kind of you know home turfy. And then Disturbed came on, so I don't think they've been here for a while. I think the last time was when they were supporting Avenged Sevenfold, so it's like the first time they've done their own show in quite a while. And obviously, they just released the album Evolution, which was quite a left turn in the fact that half of it was ballads and half of it was classic Disturbed, stumpy single type songs and it was a very very American show it was like an arena setup so they had a big screen at the back and it was projecting all the action from the stage and I haven't seen that at Ali Pali before um, in terms of screens like it was just filled the whole of the back wall behind the stage so you could sort of see the action really up close and even seeing bands like Slipknot and stuff there I don't think I've ever seen anyone doing screens because it's one of those venues that's 10,000 caps so it is kind of getting on for arena size, but it's not quite there. It's kind of a midpoint. So it immediately just felt really, really big. And obviously like a bit corporate too in that kind of shiny America, you know, radio rock sort of way. But it made an impact. Um, a lot of the people there are wearing Disturbed t-shirts as well. And you kind of get the feeling that like Disturbed fans <laughs> don't care if people think they're not cool. Because Disturbed aren't a cool band in terms of people's perceptions. People see them as kind of a bit of a joke or whatever, but loads of people, it's like when you go and see Iron Maiden, loads of people there in disturbed t-shirts, which, you know, they're not afraid, people aren't afraid to say they like them. So they came on and they had these um, big screen, the big screen, and it said like, when music is a weapon, we must evolve, <laughs> relating to the Evolution record, so it was mega cheesy. And they played the You Ready, which is one of the singles. And um, it was just big, just big, shiny, arena-sounding American rock. And so you like, but the sub do have tunes. I don't know they do. And they played 10,000 Fists, and there were actually 10,000 Fists in the air because it was sold out. <laughs> um, that was quite funny, actually. There was one point where David was on stage and um, he, he just kind of went... Oh, like I'm really happy to see all you guys here, but it's I, I feel sorry for the other disturbed fans because it's sold out, so none of them can come, and it was just very like grandstanding, which is quite funny. But you can kind of tell he's the son of a preacher, because um, you know he was just the my brothers, my sisters, my blood thing. Um, he did one of the things they did actually, which Jonathan would have found incredibly mawkish, and probably you would have hated, <laughs> is they had a section where it was like more of the slow ones and more of the ballady ones. And he did a big sort of speech about mental health and addiction 
and they played this song called A Reason to Fight, which he wrote about losing people to addiction, which we kind of covered off in our cover feature last year. And um, it's sort of one of those things where, again, as a sort of British person, you kind of cringe about someone being so kind of on the nose about issues like that. And you're kind of like, oh, this feels like evangelical. It feels almost awkward. But at the same time, when you actually stop and look at it, having a big band who've sold loads and loads of records you know, by like four metal dudes standing on stage and telling everyone to look after their mental health is quite a big deal. And I think probably for some people in the audience who, you know, aren't really that in touch with their feelings, maybe, I don't know. It's quite a big thing to have a band that you care about on stage sort of talking about community and talking about listening to people and noticing people looking out for your friends. And um, it came from a really sincere place and they got like a big cheer for it and I think though in the room there was a very positive vibe about the whole thing um, and they did another song Hold On To Memories which is another ballady one and they did a montage on the screen of like band photos and people they've lost were on it like Chester and Chris and stuff and again it was kind of cheesy but it was really coming from the heart and like from the right place and nobody was like making fun of it everyone was like really into it um, and then they did The Sound of Silence and they got cellists out um, so that was kind of like the slow section, which I wondered mm. how they would deal with the new change of direction. But they kind of like, you know, did all the hits and then slipped that into the middle. And then they did sort of another five more heavier songs. Um, and then obviously finished with The Sickness, which mm-hmm. still is a tune to this day. Mm. But they played for um, they played for two hours and... I was not bored and again it's not cool like there was no industry cue for this gig like obviously we've talked before on the podcast about how we go on the guest list often to gigs sometimes we buy our own tickets sometimes we go on the guest list and I was on the guest list and usually at Alexander Palace there's a big queue of people who want to go in and see a band and like no one was queuing because it's just not cool to watch Disturbed if you're in the industry and at the bar as well like there was no kind of industry people there it was just empty and because people really looked down on Disturbed but they do a massive show. They really connected with the audience. Every song I thought was a tune. And I'm not afraid to say that I like them. It's no guilty pleasures, just pleasures. And yeah, it was quite a US type massive show. You know, very kind of blunt, not a lot of subtlety about it. But for a Saturday night with loads of fire and the sickness and a good show, I was happy with that. I had a great time. So yeah, I've gone on about them for ages now. Sorry, guys. It's good that you had fun. But I feel like somebody should talk about the good sides because I feel like everyone just shits on them and, you know, that's fine. But actually, if you've got... I'll leave it to you If you've got 10,000 people... (laughs) If you've got 10,000 people in a room all enjoying a Saturday night and enjoying heavy music and actually being made to feel good about themselves, you can't really argue with that. So that's that's my take on Disturbed. Cool. Any response... Um, I'll just no, not really. I mean, you can you can carry on with that, and I'll just not. Okay. <laughs> I'll just I'll just not go and see them. You can stick with Septic Flash, and I'll stick. With yes, Disturbed. I will. But we've got some news we can talk about now. That's, yes. I'm sorry, guys, if you've got bored of Disturbed, that was a long, long <laughs> thing on them. So take it away, Alice, with the news. Yeah. So um, Corey Taylor um, of Slipknot, of course, um, has had surgery on both of his knees. Um, and there's something happening on Friday, which we discussed last Oh, last the Jimmy week. Kimmel thing. The Jimmy Kimmel yeah. thing, yeah. And um, there's also something happening tomorrow, apparently. 
there's been some sort of teaser video, hasn't yeah. there? Yeah. So there's a lot of slipknotty stuff in the air right now. And the teaser was sort of like little bits of masks and artwork and things. Yeah, so we're not sure if they might drop the masks early Mm. um, before Jimmy Kimmel, which would make sense. By the time you've heard this, there might be new masks. But it was kind of mental because I was texting over the weekend. I was like, what is going on? Because I think it was like Friday night or something on Instagram. I saw that Corey had had surgery on both his knees. It's like, what the fuck? Like, he's going to play... Like, everything's kicking off in a week. I know. Surgery on both knees. I don't know how he's going to be running around stage. Like, <laughs> But I guess that's kneeling. the price you pay for being in Slipknot. Like, wear and tear on your joints and living the life. Yeah. But, I mean... But to do that, like, now... I know, right? One week getting out of the way. going live, like, you know... Yeah. I'm very excited. Are you excited? Um, you know, I, I, I can... I, I'll watch it. I, I quite like Slipknot. I'm not particularly buzzed, but um, yeah, I can't say excited. Just, I'm, so I'm intrigued. Excited. I'm I guess. so excited. I'm I guess totally, I'm intrigued. Totally all in on this, and I want to hear new music now. So, yeah, <laughs> excited. We're talking about new music. Megadeth are back in the studio. They're working on album number 16. Uh, I think we spoke about before how they said they might have some blast beats on it this time, so it's going to be pretty big. Are you a Megadeth fan? Um, they're alright, I liked them live. Mm. I liked seeing them live, it was good, it was a good show. Well, if you're not into that, there's also Hell Yeah, I've announced yeah. new album, Welcome Home, which is going to feature the final recordings of Vinnie Paul, obviously. I like a bit of Hell Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's really sad to lose Vinnie. Um, I know. You know, there's obviously a big outpouring of love for him, and I don't know what the future of the band is, but they've obviously got this new record, and presumably it's going to honour his memory and include some of his drumming. Yeah. Yeah, so that should be cool. I don't know what the yeah, I don't know what the future of the band's gonna hold now, but and they're doing a tribute concert as well, aren't they, Tiffany? Um, well they just did um they just did one they've announced their new drummer's Roy Mayorga, which should please you as a stone sour lady. Yeah, I mean they're good. I've interviewed him actually. Oh really? What was he yeah, like? he's really nice, really nice guy. Yeah, he was really nice. So good for him. <laughs> so he's the new drummer. He's the new drummer. So I guess that means there is something in the future. And um, they did a show with him, and they, I know they've donated some money to the American Heart Association. I think it is as well. Yeah. So obviously, Vinny died from complications there. So we'll have to wait and see. Yes, we will. A weird news story this yeah. week. Remember Threaten? Yeah, I do. So, I do. If you don't remember Threaten, they were the bands who did the Breaking the World tour. So Jared Threaten was masterminding, in air quotes, a band called Threaten. Uh, He's from America and he got some session musicians basically to rehearse with some songs with him. And then he brought them over to Europe and promised them that these shows were going to be full. And the promoters of these gigs also thought that Threaten were going to bring in a sizable following and then it turned out a lot of the following was manufactured by Jared in that he'd done a lot of stuff online that made it look as if he had a big following. But when they got to Europe, nobody turned up to the shows or very few people turned up to the shows, resulting mm-hmm. in the members flying back to the States before they finished the tour. So it was a really weird situation. We're all kind of going... Are threatened real? What's going yeah, on with them? Yeah, they even a band. Yeah, is it publicity stuff? Yeah, Jared came out and kind of said, "Oh, you're all talking about me," and it was a big, you know, stunt, and it's worked in my favour. But 
Yeah. Ever since then, it's been very quiet in the threatening camp. So, the latest news is that guitarist Joe Prunera and drummer Dane Davis have won their lawsuits against Jared and his wife. Um, they basically uh, filed for costs um, due to having they spent money on things like food and transport and flights back to the US mm-hmm. and so they um, were trying to recoup some of the costs basically and um, Jared and his wife didn't show up to court apparently which meant that the guys won by default yeah so more mystery here more kind of does he even exist <laughs> <laughs> presumably yes if they're able to file charges against him but it's very mysterious because you know, if he didn't show up, kind of where is he, and was this a concern to him or not a concern to him? You know, that's all we know is that they won the legal case and that they'll be getting some uh, compensation, I guess, for for their lost in inverted commas money. Yeah. So yeah, very strange. Um, what's next? Threaten are coming to the UK later this year. They're going to play the Underworld. Oh, I, I just. <laughs> you going to go? Um, I don't know. I mean, do you want to see Threaten? I don't know what they sound like. I don't even know if they're a real band. I don't know if it's just going to be a model on stage and like it's the mastermind of someone completely different. And who can like afford to take themselves on tour and like do all this? Well, I guess when you haven't got a real band, it's like, a side hustle, isn't it? You know, you make money doing another kind of job, or maybe you inherit money, and then you use that money to go to another country and. That's a bizarre. Like the whole thing out. is so bizarre, and I don't, I don't understand how they're still, how he's still doing this tour when we don't even know if he's real. And I think he's real. It's just whether or not. It's just kind of what happened. And what does he play? Like what? What he sings? What does it? No. What does it sound like? Have you not heard it? There's one no. song out there. There's one song. Um, well, if there's more than one song, but the one that was like famous at the time of the threatened explosion. Oh, see, I, I still didn't even hear it. Uh, was I can't remember the name now. Um, the tour was breaking the world, and there was a song. So the album is breaking the world. Oh, that living is dying. That's the one. Do you remember living is dying? No. We'll have to have a look at that. That was the one that was like the YouTube video where people were watching it um, and talking about it. That's kind of so you can see Threaten on there and he's got merchandise and all that. Do you think people will be going for the music or for the fact that they're like, what the fuck? Yeah, definitely the second one. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anyone's going for like breaking the world. But yeah, that's happening. That's a thing. So the Threaten saga rumbles on. Yes. So some sad news. London's borderline is closing. Uh, did you ever go there, Alice? No, I haven't. I haven't been there, actually. So it's um, in Soho, and it's a venue. You kind of go in the doors, and you go on the stairs, and it's sort of like a basement venue. And they've had various club nights there, and lots of bands have done um, lots of shows there, and they've had some special shows there before. And it's just one of those venues that you just hope will be around forever. It's just kind of a typical music venue. You know, yeah. Kind of, there's a, a pillar in the way that meant if you stood behind the pillar you could sort of never see the stage but also it was just one of those great places to go because you knew if you were going there you were going to see probably something new or something special or something exciting and been to gigs there before it's just been a complete and total like sweat box and there's just been people like moshing everywhere and crowd surfing to the back and it just always felt like whenever you went there it was really exciting and I've been to club nights there as well it's like a really cool 90s one they had called Age of Panic that I've got really good memories of going to so it's super sad that people aren't going to get to experience kind of things 
that we all have in London, like mm. going there, and it's just one of those things where you worry. It's again, it's I know it's quite London centric to talk about, but it's in Soho, which is where they're doing uh, the development of Crossrail. So they've already closed down the Astoria, and um, it, it's, there's music shops there that are under threat as well. And there's um, oh, there's the bar there as well that I completely forgot the name of that also had to close. Um, on the street with all the music venues so it's kind of over the last few years systematically that whole area's culture's almost been wound down and it's just the borderline's right next to Crowbar as well if anyone's heard of Crowbar it's where a lot of sort of bands and industry people go drinking so it's just really sad that it's closing um, because that area of London needs to be a real hub for people going to watch gigs and hanging out with each other and there's a real community vibe and now it just feels like it's all gone completely corporate and the culture is draining away and it's just shit yeah. uh, the owners have blamed ever increasing rents rising business rates and ongoing redevelopment plans for Soho which is what you'd expect really which is why the other kind of venues close so yeah it's just super sad um, their managing director said that um, we know the venue doesn't have a long term future so it makes no sense to continue to invest and you know they kind of just can't keep it going really so they have said that they've got the name and they'll try um, they're looking into the possibility of relocating it so maybe it will come back somewhere else um, and the management company own it have also said they're going to put money into the Thetcler in Bristol the 40th anniversary of Rock City in Nottingham and there's work underway to open a Birmingham venue and they've got protection for the garage in Islington so there is some good news in there mm-hmm. you know there obviously is investment into other local venues but it's just really worrying when you you know you kind of look at the state of venues we reported on a couple of years ago and there's still um you know still issues with things like rising rates um it's just difficult to have a venue nowadays but without venues yeah. people don't have anywhere to play and without anywhere to play we don't have the next bands of the future so exactly yeah I don't know it's really it's really tough one isn't it it's really bad, I think. Like, Cardiff has gone from having loads of venues to having barely any at all. There's, mm. like, one row of venues, like, two or three venues, and that's it. Um, and they just keep on closing. Like, the Barfly closed, and there was bogeys in its place, and then that closed, and now it's just a pub there. Um, and there's, there's a few other venues that have been forced to close. There was um, one that was a church venue called The Point that was closed so many different venues and same with um, Bristol there was like a problem with the fleece a few years ago mm-hmm. like whether or not that was going to close because they were building flats and it's just it's really unfair because if you're buying a flat by a venue you should know that just like if you bought it by a train st- station or something like that like you should just know that that is how it is and just deal with I it I think they actually have put something into law about that I haven't they or at least if it's not been made a law it's in the process of being yeah. made into a law so I think we are getting new protections when it comes to people moving into the areas but I think regeneration of business rates are probably the key but, thing yeah but then they're obviously not making enough money then in that case and I feel like stuff because you can get stuff on online and people just kind of discover new bands online and just from the comfort of their own home they don't think to go to like when I was I don't know 13 from the time I was about 13 I'd think oh yeah we'll go to the gig we'll go to a gig we'll go to a gig it, it wasn't even who was playing it was just like just let's discover a new yeah. band and stuff and I can do all of that online and with MySpace and stuff like that like bands would just 
sort of become MySpace famous and so it's in your just changed. you as well it's not just rising rates and gentrification it's also a change in the way that people are consuming and going I think to so them. yeah because I don't think as many people are going to gigs um, like from my experience like the smaller venues anyway and like unknown people or different things that aren't the mainstream um, I think when I was a teenager they would be packed out these gigs mm. and they weren't huge bands but they would be Really you just packed. wanted to go and see something and yeah, it was, it was yeah. exciting wasn't it because if you got a ticket to go and see a band that had a couple of support bands you'd never heard of you just go because you'd be like oh wicked I don't only get to see one band I get to see three bands exactly. like that's even better than seeing one band yeah and you just go and now I think I've been to gigs smaller gigs since then like in my 20s and they're just half empty hmm. and it's really sad because I think people just need to get to more gigs and they need to just go just get up, like get up and that go to, to to gigs. Like, basically. what can we do? Write to local MPs. Write to stop just sitting there in your in your in your house, you know, flicking through Spotify and finding finding little bands. Just get out and go to the gig, like whatever gig is on in your local venue. Just go and support it. And form bands and do gigs yes. and support them. Yes, because <laughs> we need these small venues. Yeah, definitely. They're they're the foundation of the whole music scene, the whole music support industry. your scene. Let's yes. go to some gigs, Alice. Yes, Let's get always. Out there. <laughs> right, reader questions. Do you yes. want? Do you want to take the first one? Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so Rich Hobson on Twitter asks, um, Faith No More were once interviewed by MTV whilst hand, gli- um, hand gliding. Hang gliding? or Hand gliding. Does he mean hang gliding? Hang gliding. Um, <laughs> with that in mind, <laughs> what was the weirdest setup you've ever had for an interview? I've got a weird one. Go on then, because I haven't. <laughs> I don't think you have, you just can't think I of it. I don't think, yeah. My weirdest one was when I interviewed Marilyn Manson when he was sitting in the toilet. I'm sorry if I've told this story before because I can't remember. <laughs> so I was interviewing him and it was at his and Rob Zombie's tour in London a few years back. Mm-hmm. And I was having a word with him after the show, basically. And so um, I went and found like where I was supposed to be. And Marilyn Manson was in a room with about 20 sort of hang-on type people. I don't know, an entourage. And I went in there and I was like, oh no, this is going to be really bad. Because I can't just sit and interview him in the middle of the room with like 20 other people. And he was sort of playing some tunes on a stereo. And he there was one chair in the room that he was sitting on while he was playing music. He was basically sort of DJing, I guess. Mm. And he offered it to me, and I was like, no, no, it's fine, like, it's your chair, like, you should sit on the chair. And he's like, oh, but there's no other chairs in here, like, unless you count the toilet. And I was like, oh, well, if you're really rock and roll, then you do the interview in the toilet. And then he got up and went to the toilet and sat on the toilet. And then- <laughs> so he wasn't actually, like, taking a dump or something? No, and then he brought the chair along, and I sat on the chair facing him while he sat on the toilet with the lid down. And it was very surreal. And I was just thinking, like, this is actually really good because now I can talk to him in, like, actual peace and quiet without, like, yeah. loads of people staring because that would be really weird. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we did that. And then he'd also painted a mouth on the back of his hand in lipstick. So the first thing he did when he sat down on the toilet was hold, the, hold his hand over his mouth with the back of his hand facing outwards. So his lipstick mouth was covering his real mouth. <laughs> You should have taken photos. I did get a picture of that, but I have no idea where it is. It was probably lost in time. And then we had a nice chat, and it was very interesting, and it was good. It was a good time. But, yeah, it was a bit surreal. It was one of those things, like, obviously, 
you never know, quite know how things are going to go down and I've never interviewed anyone in a room full of people and I certainly wouldn't want to yeah. but if somebody doesn't want to move there's probably only so much you can do to get them to move so it was nice that he was like open to the idea of going somewhere else and it just happened to be on the toilet yeah that's my that is a strange one I don't I can't think of one that's been strange to be honest no I also had one on the phone where Barney from Napalm Death went to the toilet while I was on the phone with him it was another toilet related one (laughs) (laughs) wasn't there one um, with Kevin Smith oh yeah Kevin Smith Uh, that was in the shower oh shower yeah I interviewed Kevin Smith probably about 10 years ago and um, asked if I could have a picture with him and he was like yeah but we have to go and do it in the shower so he took me into the shower fully clothed obviously and we had <laughs> our photo taken in there I'm not sure why he wanted to have it in the shower but is it good lighting or something I don't know he was on really good form though he just ordered breakfast and when I got there he was eating like all these different kinds of cereal and being really kind and like offering me cereal and stuff <laughs> and he's just a really fun guy he's very mm. open and very I love Kevin convivial. Smith yeah he's I cool. love Kevin Smith films yeah yes um, oh, Gareth Burningham this is for you Alice yes you ask Gareth Burningham asks via Twitter now we know that Alice doesn't like Ramstein and Slipknot what does she think of Ghost um, so just just to uh, clarify I don't not like Slipknot I don't like Ramstein but um, Ghost are okay um, I'm not particularly bothered by them um, to me they just kind of sound like I don't know 80s 80s sort of heavy metal mixed with I don't know blue blue oyster cult or something like that. They're just a bit like yeah, I mean like they're kind of like a shit version though. It's like no, because I love blue oyster cult and I love that kind of stuff. But like I don't. I think ghosts are a bit too like they're not psychedelic enough for you. Are they more like no? It's not just it's not just that they're not psychedelic. It's just that like it's just a poor version of like heavy metal mixed with blue oyster cult and I just do you not think it's fun I get it like but I I just I don't like I get why what the appeal is but I just I'm not that bothered like there I would rather just listen to the the older stuff hooks for days though (sighs) some of their lyrics as well it doesn't it's just like oh jeez it's too much cheese for you and I guess like because they're all dressed like really gothy like you want it to be darker and it's just kind of like oh we're so mysterious but then we're just gonna like play a song about oh what's that dance macabre dance macabre yeah. yeah like what do they say in that it's just really cheese I can't remember but it's just so cheese and I'm just like oh, oh no, no, it's this, isn't mis- this isn't mysterious enough like for your image make it more mysterious so the image know. is really campy and it totally goes with that as well I don't know I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's strange. It's strange. Have you seen them live? Yeah, actually, I have. Did Years that swing, that ago, before they were like big, they um, opened for Alice in Chains. Years ago, and I was like, "What the fuck is this opening for Alice in Chains?" Ago. It's like probably three years ago or something. Oh, it was longer than that. Really? Yeah, it was like sure um, 2012. Okay, maybe it was a long time ago. Yeah, it was a while ago because it was before they really took off. Like after that, I remember I everyone they was banging on about that. They weren't that famous because I was like, I've never heard of them. And then I saw them, and I was like, Oh, this is weird, and this is a strange 
like group to. I feel like it was later than 2012. Maybe they did after, but I'm sure it was 2012, mm. like around then. Well then. <laughs> Another band bites the dust was, in our okay, world. They're okay, you know, I get it, but... Well, as punishment, you can do the next question. Okay. Um, so I think this is like a million questions in one. Okay, let's do them quickly. Robert Sison? Yeah, let's go with that. Via Twitter. Um, where does the future of metal lie? Why are Barry Tomorrow so blindingly good? And what makes the ideal 3am sandwich filler? Okay, I'm just going to do them quickly. The future of metal is all different subgenres of metal and lots of interesting things going on and blurring of lines and genres. Barry Tomorrow are good. I don't know why. Just they just do really good metalcore. And what makes the ideal 3am sandwich filler? Bacon. No, oh, that's a good one. Always See, bacon. I said snacks. cheese and pickle. Or peanut butter, because um, I love peanut butter, and it's really easy, you don't have to cook it, like you'd have to cook, if I get home drunk, I don't want to cook anything, I want something really easy, instant, just like bam, done. They are both disgusting choices. And they are, are amazing we are choices. opposites in our tastes and food and music. I like bacon <laughs> though, as well, that, but I wouldn't cook it, I'd be like, oh no, no, not cooking bacon this hour. Fair. Uh, Mike Perry asks... Can you think of a heavy metal equivalent of The Room? That's the film, The Room. I.e. an album so laughably bad it actually becomes great. An album. Well, the obvious one for me is Lulu. Metallica's Lulu. Oh. As in, everyone hated it, but then it produced loads of memes. But then I'm not sure if it's come back around to people actually thinking it's great. It's more just like... But I feel like it is a little bit like The Room in that people will sort of like band together and talk about it and all kind of go that was weird wasn't it there's sort of a camaraderie around it like there is on the room if you've seen if you've not seen the room go and check it out it's like um, a film with a really weird script and a really weird plot that doesn't really make any sense <laughs> bad acting and they do screenings where you can go and throw plastic spoons at the screen but I won't ruin the reasons why you just have to go and check out the room yeah I don't I can't really think of one that's really bad so bad it's good I mean yeah no but you, you, there's lots of things you don't like. So there yes. must be something that you don't like that, that's gone all the way around to good. Um, well, I know stuff that like people would be would tell me is bad, but I'm like, no, it's really good. Go on then, what are they? Um, oh, I don't know, like anything 80s hair metal and him. There's nothing wrong with him. Yeah, but everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's just really cheese, isn't it? Like, love metal. I don't and know. all that kind of stuff. A lot of people like him, though. There are a lot of, like... There are, but I, I really like them, and um, some of their lyrics are really cheese, but I just love it. I love it, too. Once we can agree. So maybe we should do this question <laughs> from Bryce Brown via Facebook. Who should back Vila Valo for a super group? I actually don't know. I, I'm not thought about this one at all so I'm going to let you take it oh yeah what did I write um, I wrote down um, Kenny Hickey of Typo Negative oh nice yeah that's nice yeah yeah it's sort of got that whole sort of like romantic slash you know fun funny <clears throat> yeah thing was, going on that's I, a great yeah. idea it would be good wouldn't it they that's could do like a re- like reform Typo Negative but with him as yes vocalist this like that would work right said. <laughs> Did you choose anyone else? 
Um, I also said Atticus Ross because that would be quite cool. Yeah, I mean, it would give it more. Oh God! Like yeah, stuff. it would. Give, but Atticus Ross would definitely give it an edge of like shiny, yeah. shininess. It but could like, work. but also an edge of like more industrial, yeah, weird yeah. and sinisterness. It was kind of, it, yeah, it was sort of. But his it, voice is so different to, to like, Trent's that it would be quite interesting. I think if you if he was doing similar like. Nine Inch Nailsy sort of industrial stuff, but with a different, with like Veal's voice. It's cool. Uh, I would also just say the whole of the cure. Yeah, I know. I was thinking that <laughs> as well, but I was just like, oh, would that work? I don't know. But that would be cool. That would be very cool. Yeah, um, yeah I do think that would be cool. Well, I've probably got time for one more question from Alistair McMillan via Facebook. And he says, looking really closely at your cover, it looks like a hammer was edited into Johan's hands. I'm desperate to know what he was really holding. You'll never know. A mop, a brush, a duster. Do you have the original photos? Well, Alistair, that's a secret that we'll have to take to the grave. Yeah, no one can know. No one can know. No one can know the truth. No one can know the truth. I could say you might be along the right lines. <laughs> but I could also say that you will never know the truth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> never ever 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 the truth is it was a massive hammer that he was holding yes because he's totally metal and, totally and it Viking. looks like it was edited in because it was sent from the gods yeah it's just so godly that it doesn't look real yes it just it's that vision of Johanna and his mighty hammer <laughs> is just too much for people to handle and uh, what you're going to there is maybe another dimension so yeah yeah that's the answer yeah we'll stick with that Probably all we've got time for, Alice. Yes, it is. What a shame. Boo-hoo. Shall we go and put on him and Typo Negative at the same time? Oh, yes. At the same time. Just line just it all up happens. in the office. Just play them simultaneously. with it. Simultaneously, that's what I'm talking about. Yes. At the same yeah. time, like, just make a mashup. Exactly. Like, yes. It's going to happen. Let's do this. Best idea ever. Yep. See you next week, guys. Bye. Bye.